Hello everybody and welcome to another edition of Big Handful of Cocaine for You. Turn to oh, on bbgwrestling.com. Big Handful of Cocaine for You. It's time to take out the trash. We can get through this bullshit if we're all really high. I am Pablo. Woo! I, 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 I am Pablo. The first ever Miss Rumble 2000! Well, from the little turd to the big turd, good luck. And with me is... And the Council of State Cowboy. My vocal tone. <laughs> and with me is the chosen one. Those suplex attack nearly poofed him into dust. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Turn Chuckle on BBGWrestling.com. I am Pablo, and with me is, and I'm not calling him a big cock yet, but he is the red rooster <laughs> to my terrific Terry Taylor. He's Tempest. Oh, you bastard. <laughs> <laughs> well, I always give myself the negative one, so like I'm going to give you red rooster this time. Oh. <laughs> Do you know what he called his fans? He didn't have any. It's a trick question. <laughs> Do you know what he would have called these fans if he'd had it? He, you know, he, he called them rooster boosters. Rooster boosters? Did they fucking steal chickens or something? <laughs> oh, when he... um. He's, I mean, he's saddled with this fucking gimmick. And uh, we're talking about this because Terry Taylor is on this uh, episode of Raw that we're going to be talking about. But he's saddled with this gimmick. And when he's doing, like, the promos leading up to, like, a garden match against Bad News Brown or something like that, um, he wouldn't know how to start the interview. So you would start with it. But you would yep. do it free, he would do it three times. Like, he's trying to communicate in chicken. So he's like... I'm coming to get... And it's just like, what? The fuck like that's yeah not gonna sell any tickets oh my god (laughs) but there's red rooster merchandise out there there's a t-shirt is there really there is a (laughs) t-shirt i don't even imagine that terry taylor has any red rooster merch (laughs) well they did a figure of him not that long ago because he was signed to i'm assuming he's still one of the few left at nxt um Terry Taylor at NXT. I didn't know. He was one. No, Performance Center. Sorry. Uh, he was one of the trainers. God help some of those uh, pretty losses <laughs> with the big jugs who just started. Touchy Terry still there. <laughs> and we've started. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, this is <laughs> this is Tone Chuckle. And uh, we are currently uh, working our way through uh, 1993. And we are on the second episode of Monday Night Raw, January the 18th, which was, uh, which was a pre tape. And it feels like it. Um, was actually, this taped at that first episode? Actually, I tell a lie. I, this was live. The next episode was pre-taped because Perfect and Flair. Um, mm-hmm. That makes sense. The career match actually happened before the Rumble. This is kind of like the forgotten Raw early on because everyone remembers the first one because it's highly celebrated, etc. Right? Everyone remembers the yeah, third yeah. one because it's Perfect Flair. This is the one in the middle. Um that like I guess if you ask people off the top of their head, do you remember anything from this raw? I think a lot of people would say no. Um I mean I'm struggling and I watched it last week. <laughs> <laughs> well, this was the like they did say it was live a lot. I remember they kept saying we're live, but I also know that they fucking lie loads as well, so I didn't think much of it. <laughs> well, they gave up on the live thing pretty early on because I, I remember Pritchard saying that it was so expensive to run raw. Um, that like Vince didn't make a profit on Raw until really the Attitude Era. So doing live every week, and also let's face it, getting fans to fill up the Manhattan Center every week uh, would have been mm. a mission. Because if you notice as the Raws go on, the same the, the Bob Backlund uh, WWF Champion T-shirt dude 
sat in the crowd and he would only <laughs> pop for anything the, like once every four weeks when Bob Backman would come out. Um, <laughs> otherwise, he was just sat there just staring, you know. But um, <laughs> so this Raw, um, it starts with another like hot start and it's really the last thing Repo Man ever did. Um, and it's insane that he was involved in something so high level for WWF. And it's, it's a perfect TV angle, really. Uh, but you start with Rob Bartlett in a, a beautiful dinner jacket. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it looks... It's Sinead O'Connor for some reason. <laughs> yeah, that... Do you know that... <laughs> Sorry. I was going to say, did they feel like because they ended the last uh, episode with some kind of child abuse reference that they had to make one at the start of this episode <laughs> as well? It's like start as you fucking... Sorry, continue as you started. <laughs> well, you did not think his... Bobby Heenan was the Pope? Well, because uh, Bartlett wanted to fight the power or whatever it was. Well, you know, when he, he rips the paper and... Or fight and the real says, enemy, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's the same thing that she said on that award ceremony when she ripped it and she was talking about the nonsense going on in the Catholic Church and that. Yeah, and I was just like, fucking hell, man, why don't you just give this stuff a wide berth on Raw? <laughs> <laughs> See, I didn't know this. I should have give you. I should have give your material a wide berth there so you could have got it out before me just interrupting. <laughs> yeah, I do apologise. So I've learned a thing. See, there we are. You will learn about Repo Man probably more than you'll ever need to know in your life throughout this episode. Oh, um, <laughs> oh God, the Hamburglar. <laughs> so it, it starts with a hot start, though, because it, it's just normal intro. I mean, it's only the second week in. But Repo Man, I've rarely seen, if this is, I'm guessing it had to be a worked shot, but it did not look like it when he comes up behind Savage and Brave. Savage right doesn't look him. like he knows it's coming, does he? <laughs> <laughs> he goes flying. <laughs> It was a good start to a Raw as well because it, they just kind of scrapped this very early on where they did this kind of chaotic start and then the theme music just starts suddenly. It's not like they introduced it or anything like that or it'll start halfway through. I like sentence. that. Yeah, it was really good. Um, it's like the opposite of, we're out of time. It's like, it's the start of time. <laughs> um, so um, we start very hot uh, with uh, Terry Taylor. Like that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was waiting for what was hot about Terry Taylor. So we start with Terry Taylor. No, but... I was like, ah, oh, yeah, that's that's how hot it was. Clearly, he's no longer a chicken, but he's still getting the same response by now in WWE. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we start off with Terry Taylor, who's uh, fresh off a, a, a really successful WCW run. It's um, great, isn't it? Yeah, Taylor made man, and even the pre. York Foundation, Terry Taylor, it was like, right, this is back to what Terry Taylor should be. He had a couple of miserable years. Well, I mean, it depends on narrative. I'm sure he was getting paid enough to, you know, paint his hair red and stuff like that. But um, He started pretending he's a chicken, though. Imagine giving that gimmick to a guy who's, like, as good a, good a wrestler as him and as natural a handsome baby face as him. And you're like, do you know what? What's really missing that would set you off <laughs> is a beak. <laughs> People, people forget that Terry Taylor uh, came in as a face. Like people think he came in as a heel on the Bobby on the Brother Love show where Heenan brings him out. But uh, isn't just Heenan's like, well, you're shit, but I can make something of you. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much, he um, Terry Taylor was teaming up with. Oh, I, again, I should have researched, but he like turned on his partner. I think it was Sam Houston because I talked to Sam Houston about this, and um, that's cool. Um, must have both done mid south together, those two. 
They had to have. They had to have. And, uh, you know, DiBiase as well, who, like, turned on... Like, he came in as a face as well that people don't realise um, before becoming the Million Dollar Man. And uh, the Red Rooster thing, like, again, like, Heenan had been watching him from afar, going like, oh, yeah, he seems all right. Like, you know, he's got potential, etc. And then the classic, you know, you've got average size, speed and ability, but I'll, you know, I'll make you a star kid and all that kind of stuff. Um, so he was... Terry Taylor in the WWF before he was the Red Rooster, basically. And um, as the Red Rooster is one one-on-one match on pay-per-view was against Mr. Perfect at SummerSlam 89. So not that it was exactly a hot feud, uh, but they have this match on Raw as well. And you, you know that Terry Taylor was slated to be Mr. Perfect, to have the Mr. Perfect gimmick, because they both came in the WWF at the same time. I didn't know that. You get like <laughs> choice toss up of gimmicks, and I always love these. You know, like was it Edge and Valvinus who were almost inverted? <laughs> it's just, oh, they, it's they, were, just... they were also going to be the new Midnight Express. Oh, that would have been fun. But uh, <laughs> except everything with new on is shit. Mm. Unless it starts with new. Obviously, I don't mean like, you know, the new day and the new H.O. Loss and the new world order and that. I just mean like, if it's old and you put new in front of it, it's probably going to blow. But anyway, I digress. If you get your toss up between, it's like, do you want to be represented as absolute perfection, sporting greatness in all disciplines? Or you can be a hen. <laughs> <laughs> More money in it. More merchandise, I guess, you know. What, selling runs, like feed bags? <laughs> How is there more money in merchandise and the fucking chicken man? <laughs> Perfect. Oh, because he's well, little red mohawks. I don't know. I'm, I'm, oh, I'm, I sell red mohawks. I can't remember what you call that bit of a chicken, the, the fucking gobble wobble that cuts on the head. <laughs> Get your what? Terry Taylor gobble wobbles. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so the um, <laughs> a, a little bit of history. They had a match at the first WrestleFest that was <coughs> neither on the official video release or on any of the primetime episodes. So everyone thought that match had been lost to time. And it showed up randomly on the Mr. Perfect DVD, which came out more like 08, 09, something like that. And mm-hmm. uh, because there was no commentary for it, you had Michael Cole and Mick Foley do the commentary on it, which is kind of weird. Uh, but any like really odd fan compilations of the entire show put together it's kind of a mix of vhs quality broadcast tv quality and dvd quality with different announced teams as well um and the, <laughs> or at the, least they don't keep it as fully into cool the whole time no no absolutely not no uh, but, <laughs> michael fool but you say that but like the other announced team was sean mooney alfred hayes and billy graham oh my oh god my lord <laughs> Jesus Christ, who put, that is proper dartboard selection, that isn't it? Just iron darts and getting names. <laughs> it was a long show. Because the thing is, the crowd, it's in a baseball stadium and it's in the middle of summer and they're dying under the heat and trying to get them interested in the Bolsheviks against demolition or whatever. Or, you know what I mean? It's just, it's it's too long a show. And then they've got to wait 12 minutes for the cage to get put up for Hogan and Andre at the end and stuff like that. So, yeah. Um, it was kind of a mega card, but like, you know, it, not the venue to do it, I don't think, and certainly not the weather condition. Um, oh, God. Yeah. Uh, but they have this match on uh, on Raw, and, um, you know, it's it just, it's very fast-paced, I found, because it had to be for that kind of show. 
It's great, I thought. Actually, it's another generally match quality on the show, is Kanye. Mm. Well, the, yeah, they, they knew what they were doing. They, you know, you have to come out strong and stuff like that. Like Savage is, um, he's not on commentary at the start of it, and then he finally shows up and uh, he's like, yeah, I'm going to get him. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, he's, he's already. And when got, he comes back, he looks, he looks like he's just been, like, you know, like if a clown's just got you with the water out the flower <laughs> or something. Like he, he has this look on his face, like there's custard pie all over his face when he walks back. It's like a don't say a fucking word, Bartlett kind of look. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I noticed that, like there aren't as many egregiously racist or unfunny lines from Bartlett this week. <laughs> I can only think of one off the top of me. He's a, he's a little more reined in. Yeah, I've, yeah, I think he has to be. But um, yeah, you know, again, we're, we're not like reviewing matches in that sense. We're kind of like doing no, no. the overall view of the of the show from our uh, point of view. And again, it was it was a good way to start the show because perfect. I mean, he was so over as a face by '93, and Terry Taylor. As well as wrestling at that point, he was hosting, um, I think, the Canadian version of one of the shows, like the Spotlight show or something like that. So it was like a very weird position to put him in. Um, But you would think that bringing in, he was kind of the, when they were bringing in Luger and the Steiners and Elegante and these big WCW names, Terry Taylor kind of flew under the radar. And when he was brought in, really wasn't used that much. Um, he was used as enhancement talent, really. I mean, he would beat the likes of Max Moon, etc., but then he would lose to the stars like Randy Savage and um, mm. people like that. It's a I, shame. I, it is a shame, and I, you know, I, I liked think... him and Valentine as a team a lot. Like in, in almost immediately preceding this, yeah, they were they were so good. And Terry Taylor looked more like a star with a slick back dyed hair and that jacket that he had. And um, you know, when he came back to WWF. I mean, he was wearing his old Mid-South jacket, but they gave him the Red Rooster feel again. Oh, minus, <laughs> minus the cock-a-doodle-doo. Um, oh. He must have listened to that music and like like a war veteran. It all just come <laughs> back, you know. <laughs> Fuck <off. laughs> I'm sure on this as well that we're getting, he was getting Rooster chants because it's a smart New York crowd, and of course that's Aye. what's going to happen. Like the Mantar treatment. <laughs> Um, so yeah, the uh, the repo man Randy Savage thing, obviously hottest angle of the night. Repo steals Randy Savage's hat, which is <laughs> you know you find out high what drama, definitely high drama. <laughs> I like Savage's shirt because it looks like a raspberry ripple. Um, <laughs> I like, couldn't I, help but wonder why a repo man was taking his hat though. Like, did he not pay, his... pay the hat maker? Yeah, hat tax. <laughs> like, is it being returned to the hat man? <laughs> well, surely you should give the hat to IRS. Wouldn't you think? Can you pay your tax and hats? I could, I could save myself quite a bit of money with my lot. <laughs> well, maybe it was like a gift or something like that. But um, <laughs> it's a like tax-free someone hat. walked past some like the equivalent of shite shirts, shite hats. It was like, oh, now who'd like that? Randy, he likes any fucking you know <laughs> glittery shite, <laughs> horrendous looking fancy dress cowboy hats. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this outfit is particularly not color coordinated in any sense. Like, and that's. No, it's it's a proper <laughs> rainbow vomit, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> For what it's worth as well, like because when he wears these jackets, you see them during other matches or whatever. You see them more than once. I've never seen this particular jacket. It looks like licorice all sorts. Um, <laughs> But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's 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 a look <laughs> for sure, and, and it's one of those jackets that's never shown up in like 
uh, auctions since then. I when can't Savage think why. Like... <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what it is, though? Savage is right to be sad about the hat because he's right. He does look more stupid without the hat in <laughs> that outfit. Like, I don't know how, but the hat sometimes, maybe it spreads the ludicrousness of the outfit. It's like yeah. when you take it off and you just look at his sad, disgruntled heed and, and all of that sparkly, <laughs> shimmery shite, <laughs> and you really realise why he wants his hat back. <laughs> Oh, so it was during this match where Hina made the phone call. I can't remember. The only thing I really remember is Flair runs in on it for the the true hottest angle that they've got going yes. at the minute. Yeah, he also um, perfect that week on Superstars faced the Berserker, and Flair got involved in that as well. So the the you know they, they didn't give building up to the career match very long because you would think it would made it would have made sense at that point to build up perfect against Flair for WrestleMania. And I would bet mm-hmm. that that was like very, very original plans. I mean, it would be interesting to know when Flair gave his notice. I mean, the, the story always was Flair said, look, when you stop using me as a main eventer, I'll leave. And Vince was like, okay, that's fine. So it, unbelievably to Vince McMahon, Ric Flair had a shelf life. Um, and- insane, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't even that old, you know. No, he wasn't. Yeah. He was just like knocking 40. <clears throat> like, fucking hell, man. You're going to tell us you can't do anything with Ric Flair when he's only a few years older than I am now. Mm. It's just it, madness. And back then, though, it, it wasn't like wrestlers kept winning. The, if they lost the title, it wasn't like they kept winning it back. Flair really was the first to win it, lose it, and then win it directly back. I don't think a champion had done that. Do that. So Hogan beat Sheik, lost it to Andre, but Savage won it at Mania 4. He didn't really lose it to Andre either, did he? That was all ah, shite nanigans. Well, yeah, it's twin refs and all that. But no, but in terms of like within the same calendar, yeah, continuing an angle and stuff like that. Um, Flair winning the title for the second time. I mean, no one remembers. I know this sounds awful, but people remember Flair's title wins in WWF. They don't remember the reigns. Um, they remember. I, I, I don't think I've seen enough to really comment, but I mean, like, you're right. I don't remember them. I think he beats Bret Hart for one and he wins the Royal Rumble for the other. Um, no, he beat Savage. He beat Savage, did he? With the help of Razor Ramon, and then he lost it to Brett, and and there were kind oh, of... Oh, that's the way around. Sure, you're probably right then, they're not that memorable. <laughs> yeah, they were teasing Brett Flair rematches, which I know, because they did the Iron Man match um, not long after that, like early 93, but they were kind of moving in so many... It, that time period is so fascinating to me, because... Again, with Bulldog going, with Warrior going, with like they were making out of the box decisions, like giving Michaels the Intercontinental Belt, putting the World Belt on Flair, uh, sorry, on uh, on Brett, and they really did like kind of scramble. But to me, it made it really interesting because they did things that they wouldn't necessarily do, um, like turning Perfect Face and bring them back. And you know, it's I'm I'm glad Perfect and Flair got that match, and I'm assuming they had other WWF matches in that couple of months. Except, I mean, obviously Survivor Series tag match, but um, it no, just didn't count them. No, and it, it just didn't have long enough to breathe as a feud. And you would have fought to get the most bang for your buck. Have Flair lose a career match at WrestleMania against Perfect? That would have been I, not just on a fucking pre-taped Raw. Jesus Christ, <laughs> on your third episode ever. Yeah. Um, so yes, uh, Heenan. Um, I think st- he's keeping promoting Luger because it's the week before or the week of the Rumble. Um, and uh, yeah, the the, the perfect uh, Terry Taylor match I thought was all right. You know, it, it's it, it's a TV match, 
for Vince and Savage and everyone else to get their angles over on top of you know, I don't think I what was going on the ring. Sad. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, up next is basically a Brett interview, isn't it? There is. Just before that, I wanted to give them some credit for their, uh, their little advert packages and that. Because mm-hmm. like that Ico Pro advert where Brett's the champion and he's walking through the gym and that. Yeah. I really liked that. That looked like a cool 90s, like fitness advert the gym's class with all those like neon lights up on the top and that brett carries himself like a champion and he's another one that i'm tend to just think of when he wins and loses the belt and i can't remember the in-between as well mm-hmm. but no, he I, carries himself properly like a champion there i think i kind of do a bit more just because i was watching it more into and that, that's probably been unfair you've seen unfair. it loads of times as well that's true and it's probably been unfair 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 on flair's title range because i mean there was less pay-per-views at the time uh there it's wasn't sure isn't it yeah there wasn't a thing like monday night raw where i mean because brett defends the title against one of the head shrinkers not long after this and this is on tv for everyone to see flair probably didn't if he did defend his belt on telly i've never seen it you know i don't think flair mm-hmm. and slaughter was a title match or whatever i mean i could be wrong on that but um but yeah, so uh, yeah, Brett does look cool for it, and it's amazing that you know, Ico Pro was so shit. <laughs> I mean, Dwayne Gill said he loved it. Um, that, that we've got one then. We've always been <laughs> looking for that one person who said that the thought was good because everyone we've spoke to is always like, "Oh, the worst shit." Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, we're going to uh, yeah, obviously he's a great supplement as well. That got Dwayne Gill absolutely jacked. <laughs> Maybe that's why Gilbert was so hyper. He was eating just off brand. Oh, his tongue coming out because the fucking um, what's it called? The pre-workout, like <laughs> just meth. <laughs> it's like mixed up with a bit of Kool Aid, and you drink it, and you're like, "Rah, I'm Goldberg, me like." <laughs> oh, um, so yeah, we go <laughs> go to a Brett interview, and um, this is how easy it was to build up a pay per view back then. It didn't take much. Uh, Building up, to be honest, it was a better time. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so it, it instead of again, I wish that Gene was doing these, uh, but Vince mm-hmm. does the interview with Brett, and um, I have a note on that for later in the show, funnily enough. Oh, okay. Um, so yeah, it, it, it's kind of a uh, a reply to Razor attacking Owen, and uh, Brett's basically like, you know, I'm gonna do it for me family, for me dad, and all that kind of stuff, and Razor's a piece of shit, and uh. It's a good promo, I thought. It was, and you know what, Brett? If he has something to talk about, Brett is not a bad talker. He's got inflections in his voice. He knows how to communicate, and I think he's unfairly. He can do fighting talk. Yeah, he can. That's that's the thing. Like a lot of the promos, when people are like, "Oh, sh- promos are shit," that's when you're in like long soap opera dramas opposite Shawn Michaels. Like, yeah, maybe he's not like that, but like the. It's quite funny because I always have the there's loads of like cheesy childish slogans that get used in WWE. You know, they're like down you're gonna be down Dream Street and stuff like that. I quite like Brett being at like you're gonna get kicked down Unconscious Street. I was just like you've you've really tried to do the nice child friendly thing and just been like I'm gonna smash your fucking head in. <laughs> and Brett as well, if you watch. Um... Wrestling with shadows, like you find that he because he was like an avid reader and stuff like that, and he would always have like books of quotes that he could use, and uh, he would like 
uh, quote like a, a, a Dawes song or something. You know what I mean? Just like and, he was a columnist as well. Like he's, he's yeah. an intelligent dude. He re- yeah, he really was. Um, so we're going. He probably next- is. To be fair, we're talking like he's dead. He's not. <laughs> I'm, sure he's, I'm sure he's still intelligent. <laughs> yeah, it, has he got his own brand of whiskey now? Does he? Oh well, there goes the princess. <laughs> it's like proper like Calgary whiskey or something like that, and he like now talks like he's because uh, he's. I mean, he's from Calgary, where all the cowboys are, so it makes sense. I think it's Stampede Land. He, his dad's promotion is even named after it. It is a cowboy place. I wish that uh, he could have had. I mean, not that he needed it, but like he, if they'd have been subtle with it, and I know this is WWF, but if they'd have been subtle with it, they could have went into the whole cowboy thing a little bit with Brett. Because I had don't think he knows the meaning of the word subtle, does Vince? <laughs> You've seen Terry t- Terry Funk's cowboy there. Fucking hell, with the fiery brand and the 10-gallon hat and all that, coming a, out like Yosemite Sam. Well, you know, with Brett in 84, when they brought him in, they were like, we want to make you cowboy Brett Hart, and you're going to wear a horse, uh, wear a horse, uh, ride a horse to the I ring. I could in. imagine that. <laughs> Going in wearing a horse like he's going to be in the bloody Maypole dance, uh, or like one of those comic relief things where Ricky Gervais is in the emu costume and the legs are the emu legs. He could, yeah, fucking hell. That's the um, difference with us. You went to comic relief and I went to the Wicker Man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, fair enough, fair enough. And uh, so Brett, but Brett said, "Look, if I'm going to call myself a cowboy, you'd better be a fucking cowboy if you're from Calgary. Otherwise, you'll get." Destroyed. That's a fair point. Aye. But that didn't stop uh, Vince at Calgary Stampede wearing a fucking cowboy hat and a leather jacket. <laughs> <laughs> oh. More out of place, could he? Other, other than, I guess, when Mean Gene was dressed as a biker at Hogwild. <laughs> <laughs> I think they should have done more video footage of like Gene on motorbikes and them chatting. That would have with, been like, amazing. All, all the bikers. Done, like, Hulk Hogan training them. Oh. <sighs> And that have been good. Bikers training Gene out of badass. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That would have been great. Like the Slammy Awards in 86 or 87 when he's legitimately shoot walking around New York saying, who do you think is going to win best arse at the Slammy Awards? And everyone's like, what the fuck are you? The Cause... fuck's a Slammy? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. No, that would have been good. That would have been good. So, um, yeah. So, um, Undertaker and Paul Bearer, uh, Doing the headlock on hunger, no one should starve to death. Fuck me. <laughs> also, like, how can you hear that line delivered by Paul fucking Bearer? There's no chance that he's starved. <laughs> headlock on hunger, he's got the fucking headlock on Scran. <laughs> oh god. Oh yeah, not uh, not the most tactful. Since it's for the Somalia Relief Fund, fuck me. Like when if you was a twenty-five stone white man. <laughs> <laughs> well, a couple of months later, um, they were on, they were doing this anti-smoking campaign. I don't know if you've ever seen this. And there's this girl uh, with a spotlight on her, and she's reading what turns out to be her view as a dead girl at a funeral because she died from cancer from like passive smoking. And, and, oh, I think and, I remember that. Advert. And then behind her, when the light turns on, it's the fucking bong, and the Undertaker's fucking stood behind her, and uh, like you know, you... <laughs> oh, what was the line? Oh no, it was about weed. She was like, oh, I picked up a joint, and me life unraveled, and now I'm dead. Um, and then Taker's behind her with a big fat one going roll and roll and roll. Oh, see, there's the kind of comedy you wouldn't get on another podcast. Um, Oh, what was the line? There's no hope in dope. 
And I'm just like, well, maybe not on the type you're on, mate. But there's no hope for fucking watching some of this without dope, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Especially years later when Paul Bearer said, I never went out not high. Um, <laughs> he was because he was stoned like every single time. How else do you do that stupid voice and that? He must be like, Jesus, I'm going to alabaster me face and talk like I'm. What? Oh, what was she called off Duck Yiller? I'll get oh. it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the maid, yeah. Like nanny, hi. I always thought he sounds like Nanny off Duckula. No wonder he needed to get high. Oh, fucking hell. Um, right, I <laughs> don't know where we're up to. Oh, Ginetti. Um, Marty Ginetti versus Speaking of Stoners. I believe. Yeah, speaking of Stoners. So, Glenn Roof, um, Frasher from the Headbangers uh, during mm-hmm. his early days. And uh, I get to chat with. What was interesting about chatting with Dwayne Gill, talking about this time period, is talk like he was close friends with Glenn Roof and uh, Jason Knight and all those kind of names when they were jobbing in WWF at the time. And Glenn Roof was one of those ones that I don't know if he just did the Northeast shows, but he was on a lot of shows and you would find him on trading cards taking a move from Brett or all that kind of thing. He's on the Mania intro, um, you know, getting That's- beat up and stuff like that. And, um, yeah, it, uh, and that's the thing though. I for ages because I'd seen pic- it was one of those because you had memorable trunks, though like patchwork kind of trunks. It never even occurred to us until I mean the internet and stuff like that that he was that he was one of the headbangers. Um, and it didn't even really occur to us. I know this sounds mental that a lot of these names come in as jobbers to start with, and you know until they find something fair- for them, right? WWE used to show that there was a thing on the website and you're going back a lot of years, but uh, I mean like pre-network years, but I know on the website they used to show like, it wasn't called Jobber of the Week, but they would be like, did you know? And then all the time they used to show you like photos of someone who went on to be a star there, just getting body slammed off someone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, this match is what it is. It's just an excuse for Shawn Michaels to phone up. And, and, f- and fuck up his lines and say that I am the new intercontinental championship. It's like, what, I've got to hold you up if we win? Like, fucking hell. <laughs> um, for what it's worth, I think we should do like Marty Gear reviews on all these. Like, not his, not, <laughs> not like drugs, uh, just his wrestling gear. Um, <laughs> not my favorite. It's kind of like, do you remember those, um, the, the mitts with the Velcro on where you'd catch the tennis ball? It's like that kind Aye. of pink and green. <laughs> not me, not me favorite. Speaking as you know, a fashion professional fashion designer, um, <laughs> not me favorite. And again, though, he said that Sean was sleeping with a costume lady. That's why he got all the good gear, and Marty would and get Marty Michelin tire man. He's made of toilet roll. Ah, exactly. <laughs> Do you know what it is though? I'm sure he lent that outfit to the Zodiac. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not. It's not out of the question. Um, well, this is a good match. You know what I mean? It, it yeah, just I is what it was. is. It's it's back when jobbers had reputations amongst like wrestling the wrestling business and could be recommended to people, I guess. And I think it was probably just widely accepted that Glenn Roof could have a good two minute squash match where he would do everything you need to do and uh, make Marty look not that Marty needed help to be honest, but like you know help Marty look good and build him mm-hmm. up for a title match and. Um, you know, and obviously it's it's the go home show, so they have to. It can't just be an out of context match. I mean, Sean not being there felt a bit mental, wrong, or, or Sherry Aye. not being there. I mean, I know they were building up Sherry's return at the Rumble, and they kind of don't talk about Sherry during this match either much, if at all. No, I don't think they do either. 
Um, in I got distracted because Marty does that thing I fucking hate as well during the match. You know, where someone goes and leans over the rope and talks to the camera. Right. I don't know why. It's just it, there's nothing wrong with it, but it makes me uncharacteristically. No, that's the wrong word. <laughs> it's very characteristic for me to be pissed off, unreasonably <laughs> pissed off. It's just like he just wanders over and leans over and talks in the camera. I'm like, fucking get on with the match, man. I don't know why it pisses us off. It just really does. Well, if it makes you, you do it on any... your entrance and whatever, but don't do it in the match. Yeah. Well, if it makes you feel any better, you got fired not long after that, so. I don't suppose it was for tarting the camera. <laughs> no, no, almost certainly not. Well, again, that's another thing. The Sean Marty match, again, WrestleMania 9, what could have been? Um, mm-hmm. But... You know, the fact that it wasn't at Mania 9, it meant that they had what was voted by PWI as match of the year later you know, in May uh, when Marty made his return. But it was never... Ex- that never is ex- a good match, that. Oh, it's, it's amazing. It's the same role where Kid beat Ramon and all that kind of stuff. And it's a great role, that. <clears throat> it really is. It's kind of the first role that gets held up. Um, you know, people probably remember the date and certainly remember mm-hmm. those two angles and all that kind of thing. But it was never explained why Marty was gone. Never really explained why he returned. I mean, you know, we knew why he returned. Um, but it was never explained, like, what, you know... Where he'd been. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, good match. I mean, again, short TV matches. That's what Raw is at this point, with a potential good main event once a month. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it's it's still an advert for pay-per-views and house shows but that's fine like it, it yeah. is what it is you know that's what it's designed to be you cannot knock it there, there was no different to that back then really yeah no that is that is true and like i mean like with night raw at the start or any new concept they're finding the feet you know like raw did in mm-hmm. 97 when the you know uh kind of reset uh those yeah. were you know early raw's wars are kind of you know, the, the the looking at something else that is already out there and trying to take parts of that. And, you know, they didn't find their feet probably until like late, mid to late that year. It took a good few months. And it could be said that it's the same with these roles, but there's also a charm to these roles as well. Um, there is. I mean, to be fair, that when when they start making Raw more Nitro-like and the Raw is War era, that is when I got much more into Raw than when it's like this. Mm-hmm. No, I, I understand that. You know, um, there's more, I mean, there's more angles for a start. It becomes more episodic. Um, it's, you know, I mean, the, look at the... Um, you know, I like episodic as well. I always have. Well, I mean, this is the first role where, you know, a challenge is thrown out for the next week and stuff like that. But I mean, the next part of this role is the Don Crush package from superstars and uh-huh. it, it just shows because that was really again a, such a hot angle they didn't do it on raw they did it on superstars at the time and then we Aye. played it on raw um so raw really still until the perfect flare match wasn't the the a show really for for angles i don't think um mm-hmm. it probably still wasn't then i, I like did I know we love it, and it's a historic angle in that, but at the time, would they have thought Flair losing a loser leaves town to perfect was A-show stuff? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like it's their perception, not ours, when they're the ones booking it, isn't it? That is true. Yeah. Um, well, <laughs> I I love this Don't Crush angle. Um, I thought it was cool. He's got the loaded arm. Yeah, it's it's unlike... It's a beatdown that you never really see because it looked real in the sense you know he's whacking him out of the head with something it's not like doing wrestling moves like there's you know, a woman well upset in the in the <laughs> audience 
Yeah, they cut to her a few times throughout the like four weeks of taping such as that. So she's like, <laughs> she's got a glorious head of hair going on. It's not quite a mullet, <laughs> but it's kind of there's lots of um, you know uh, volume volume to it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but she was obviously a crush uh, a crush gal, and uh, so she's a girl after my own heart. We've got to find her, get her on the podcast. Christina, where are you? <laughs> <laughs> um. So again, this is building up a, a, a an angle for WrestleMania. This is the first time that we're seeing an angle actually being built up for WrestleMania, not just for like the Rumble or next week on Raw. Um, mm. And because of the, work cut out while Bartlett's knocking it down as they're building it up as well, didn't it? It feels like you're building like a big Lego tower, and he's just going man, just <laughs> knock, knocking bits out in the middle of it. Like, give our man, just shut up. <laughs> um. So the, the Doink knocks Crush out of the Rumble. Um, and Spoilers for next week, everyone. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Well, um, he got prayed out of the head. What do you expect? Like, um, <laughs> so, but the thing is, Doink's not at the Rumble either. You, like, it's such a... The Rumble is kind of weird because there's lots of names who were advertised who didn't show up. Um, there's lots of names who... You know, because of angle-related reasons, but there's also names who could have very feasibly on the show, uh, been on the show, uh, but but weren't. I get a feeling that like someone like Jim Duggan, because they probably filmed the Yoko Jim Duggan injury angle before the Rumble. That's why Duggan's not at the Rumble, even though the air the angle after the Rumble. If you get what I mean. Um, mm-hmm. So in case there's like people who've been there who are like, eh, he's meant to be written off. Mm-hmm. But again, though, people, and that's the thing that, that that's happened, fine though. That happened on an episode of Superstars in front of thousands of people, whereas the uh, the the career match between Perfect and Flair was just yeah, in New for York. For 200. Yeah. <laughs> and there was no internet on. I mean, there might have been a, a Meltzer person or like a dirt sheet writer or something like there that. 100% will have been several. Yeah. <laughs> just to fill up that crowd, I think, on a weekly basis. But uh, <laughs> um, Did you notice as well during it, I don't know if you meant to say about it being his alleged hand or something, but we've already seen Crush use like the buzzer and the flower and then we've seen him have a fake arm and Vince McMahon calls him an alleged clown when he's standing there with clown paint the fucking multicoloured clothes and the green hair and he's like he's an alleged clown like i'm pretty sure he's a fucking clown if not what is he meant to be <laughs> um yeah vince is a as a habit of like putting in unneeded words to make things sound more important i guess but um <laughs> but I, I like the idea when with doink i mean Heenan was great at this as well he was when doink would snap in the ring he'd be like something happened in his life like to the point where he's just like fucking <laughs> felt the need to dress up like that, and uh, like I've, I've seen him somewhere. He's definitely a wrestler that I know, but I just can't picture him and stuff like that. And then the, you couldn't have revealed him as Matt Bond because no one would have knew who he was. And obviously and he came to... out with a clown bear. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, that's the thing of like covering him up. It's the goldest thing. You want him to be as unrecognizable from his previous character as possible. Um, Aye. And oh, I, I love Doink. We're, we could. No, I do as well. Not face Doink, but heel Doink, I'm all about. Yeah. Oh, so uh, after this, we uh, we go back to Repo and uh, Savage. So this is the first. <laughs> a picture in picture, the first time they've done on Raw. <laughs> <laughs> for two people to argue over fucking mental hat. <laughs> you can tell me there's no better for Barry Dorso or fucking Randy Savage than them both to argue over a hat, unless it's like, no, you have to wear it. No, you have to wear it. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, he didn't even say, like you say, you would think that Savage didn't pay his hat tax or whatever, but Repo Man, he was just doing it to wind up Randy Savage by the sound of it, like he was doing it on a bet or something. Um, it was just weird, wasn't it? It was kind of weird. Like around this time, um, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I love the idea of Savage being late on hat payments because he lost the title, so he's skinny. <laughs> um, so at that point, Savage does challenge Repo Man to, to a fight um, the next week on Raw. And that explains as well... Oh, well, I shouldn't really give spoilers, but like, nah, it's not really a spoiler. They're both in the Rumble, and the first person that Savage goes after is Repo Man and because uh, that angle's still going on. So that's a really smart Doesn't he fucking like... jump out, though? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, no, that's 92 against Jake. Um, oh, no, that's it. I remember him being in a feud and he eliminates himself straight away and the commentary's like, uh, it doesn't count if you do it to yourself. Yeah, yeah, only when it's suitable for them. Well, 93's just as silly because that's when Savage goes for the pin and Yoko just presses oh, him out of the top. That fucking finish. <laughs> we'll talk about that in another time. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, in Repo at this time, because they were experimenting with a new look for Repo Man, and I've got to show you the picture, because he only wore it on an episode of Mania, but it's like a like a zebra costume. Um, it's the same shape and everything, but it looks he's shit. He's Bill, isn't he? The black well, and white stripes. Pretty much, and he's got like a full face mask instead of just the Lone Ranger mask, and you can tell he is not into that look. Um and- <laughs> Yeah, uh, and they, they, they looking like a thirties cartoon convict. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they ditch it pretty, pretty fucking quickly. Like, um, so yeah, we go to we go to Gene. Oh, for the Rumble report yeah. and the return of the forty trumpets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good stuff. Um, so Gene again, brilliant. Like you could just have Gene reading the phone book and it would be entertaining, um, especially with that graphic. <laughs> in front of the green screen like he's David Letterman or something <laughs> <laughs> so all the names have been announced at this point um, though they didn't really give much background on people like Carlos Colon um, which I think they should have done or at least put him on a TV match beforehand so people yeah. have a clue who the fuck he is um, I wanted to say something before we get too much into what's on the Rumble report that was relating to that green screen yeah. that I found interesting with WWE you know, people always go on about how they went, like, we were sports entertainment, and now they're like, we're just entertainment. I think you can even see back then, like, a, a kind of centre like that before an event. You think of it, like, in the run-up to the Super Bowl, or you think of it on, like, Sky Sports, and they make it look very sporty. They are really going in the other direction here already, and, like, the background and the setup and everything looks like late-night entertainment, you know, like I was saying, Letterman or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, I thought they were already trying to show, like, look, we're entertainment from New York, we're not sport. And there's just little subtle things like that where they're, like, leading the audience already. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, and they did that with the Rumble, particularly with that, even if it wasn't in New York, like, it ha- they always went for that sort of back-alley New York at night feel um mm-hmm. to to the graphic lots of bricks everywhere <laughs> Aye. um you know the <laughs> like yeah. streets of rage cover <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I i totally get what you mean it's uh I, I just love that look though um it's something that they should have done oh, i wasn't dissing it i just yeah. thought it's interesting yeah no it's very interesting like and gene it's such a shame that by that point he was starting to get sick of WWE. A lot of the reason why he was, was because instead of him just being able to do these reports like that, he was doing a thing called face to face where it would be two wrestlers in separate studios and he's conducting the interview, but that took so long to do 
instead of them just cutting from Gene to a wrestler to do a little 30 second promo, it was meant to, you know, build up a, a match at like the garden and then the Boston garden and then fucking LA sports arena. And then wherever the spectrum or whatever. So you had to do them over Christ. and over again. These. Yeah. And he said that was, that was it for him. Like you just couldn't be fucked with it. Um, but Gene would have flourished in the Manhattan center. Um, he should have been a part of it. Definitely. Night Road got that so right. Um, oh, they did. Yeah. I like that dual interview style, though. I mean, in a small way, it happens on, uh, I think it's on Rampage, actually. You know, when they do the triple picture in picture and there's like Mark Henry in the middle mm-hmm. and then there's two different people, but it's like live picture in picture reactions. And then he does that time for the main event thing at the end. Like, I quite like that, but it's concise. It's not like rambling like this thing you've just described. Yeah. And well, that's the thing is I, I couldn't imagine the editing that would have to, because, you know, it unless they were given time limits, they definitely had to talk, they had to stick to. You know, Gene would ask a question, then the wrestlers would just start talking between themselves. So it was kind of, he kind of wasn't needed, except as kind of a referee to break it up. But like that's not Gene's role. Um, no, definitely not. You know, so yeah, it is. It is what it is. But um, so we're going to. Uh, uh, main <laughs> event. Made me, sorry, but yeah. Some some made me laugh with Gene there as well because he's like telling you to pre-order the pay-per-view, and he goes, "Get on the horn now!" And it seems like the director just took that as a it, like an instruction, like he'd fell asleep or something, because the trumpets go up like a hundred decibels. <laughs> <laughs> Get on the horn now. <laughs> It like blows your fucking telly up. <coughs> and you would always end it with like a Lee Marshall kind of talking to the announcer, asking them a question, making it seem like it's live, but it's definitely not. Although it's the Lee really Marshall not. thing was like, Yeah, the, I mean, yeah. at least the Lee Marshall thing was live. But, um, it was live, it just didn't make sense what Lee Marshall no, it definitely didn't. Do. I'm watching these 97 Night Rows and I'm heading into 98. I'm going to be gutted when these on-the-road reports stop. Because <laughs> I don't know when they Shit end. Weasel puns, <laughs> <laughs> but that's because like he was the first. Not to get too off topic, he was the first announcer of Thunder, wasn't he? Oh yeah, what a mistake! <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll do a first Thunder episode another time, like because I oh, that was a mistake. Jesus, I'm very very excited about that. You know, Lee Marshall was a ring announcer at WrestleMania two as well. <laughs> no, I didn't. But I can. Did they just think it was Robert Goulet? And they're like, "Yeah, go with it." <laughs> <laughs> it was Chicago, wasn't it? Wasn't he like a Chicago sportscaster or something like that? Yeah, know. yeah, yes. He's great, really. I'm taking the piss, but like, he, he was he was very accomplished. He's he was just, ch- charming. He's lost on those like yeah. frat fucking tours in WCW, wasn't he? Do you think he actually went to the cities? I really hope so. I hope so as well. You think there would be like some video footage or anything, but it, I would hate to think that he's just sat at home ringing in once a week. Like, yeah, I'm in, <laughs> I'm in Chicago. Oh, I'll have a slice of pizza, please. You know, just fucking... Um, he's looking down at a microwave Chicago time pizza, like, <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, Lee Marshall. Love him. Like you say, what a like guy. shit in the best way. He's ways. great. <laughs> way. Good stuff. Um, so, yeah, main event anywhere in the country, El Matador versus Ric Flair. Um, in the the last the only other El Matt or Tito Santana Ric Flair that I, match that I can find in, in, is on the Battle Royal at the Albert Hall, and this is right before he became El Matador. Um, there's a little bit just before that actually. There's a vignette with your favorite mannequin. Oh, okay. Like after everybody's talked, you've got mannequin the Mooney outside, and he's <laughs> right. doing a little interview. Do you remember that bit? I don't know. 
Oh, I'm trying to remember who who it was. All I remember was that they looked like a line dancing Charlie Chalk. <laughs> it wasn't Repo again. It wasn't Repo again, was it? I think it is actually. I think it is. I think it's more like it is. It's distraught Randy Savage. That's what it is. So hence the line dance and Charlie Chalk. He's got the clown colours and the tassels. <laughs> they make sense in my brain. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, he's out. But Savage is so distraught that he's going and arguing with traffic. He's not even just playing in it. He's like going around just yelling at cars. Yeah, Rebo nicks his car. And, uh, Rob Bartlett's keep asking him, like, "Did you see my car out there?" <laughs> um, oh yeah. And they keep um, being like, "No." But it does actually have a, a point that in the end, but people are just like passing it off, like shut up, Rob. <laughs> He's more distraught than when like Jake smacked Elizabeth, I think. I mean, it is a heart. <laughs> 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 to be fair, it makes me anyone who's wore a cowboy hat knows it's the most annoying thing when someone takes it off your head. You know, like you're in a bar or a club or anything, and, somebody, and they go and try and turn it on, turn it on to try try it on, and mm-hmm. you just always end up smacking them. <laughs> well, so I, do, I, I do feel for Savage here. Well, no spoilers, but um <laughs> so yeah, El Matador against Tito Santana and uh El Matador <laughs> against Tito Santana. This would have been impressive. Yes, and I'm gonna go with that. No, El Matador against Ric Flair. Um and again, because like El Matador, he was in the role of just putting people over at this point. And I think people probably forget that there was another Flair match in 93, just with this being, in my opinion, the the kind of forgotten Raw. Um, you know, when your main storyline is a hat gun missing, it's... You know, don't get me wrong, <laughs> I mean, I it's it. like You could have a, like, oh, it's a dream match. It's Tito Santana of Strike Force versus Ric Flair of the Four Horsemen. No, no, it's a, he's dressed up like a fucking Matador and there's like no fanfare <laughs> at all. This is, is it... where you get Rob Bartlett being racist as well. Oh, go on. He's a. Oh, I'm trying to remember exactly what he says, but he 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 calls Santana an undocumented immigrant, basically. Oh, no. And uh, Vince is like, "Whoa!" <laughs> like tries to move that up quickly. He's like, "Think it, don't say it." <laughs> Again, when you're too inappropriate for Vince McMahon. Um, the thing is, though, Vince is on USA Network. He's got a new show. He probably doesn't need Bartlett getting him kicked off after like two weeks. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Ramp you know. and Rob. Yeah. Well, and the thing is, though, Matt Dogan's flair, this is the kind of. If Tito was being pushed as like the legend, like former Intercontinental Champion, etc., that would be a high up match at the Garden um, if it was presented seriously. And, you know, it's kind of. I wouldn't say it's a dream match as such, but it's certainly, you know, two legends of two different companies going at it. And you could oh, build, definitely. build something around it. But I think, you know, again, Matador, this is, again, good TV main event. But, um, you know, I've, I think there wasn't the interest in Tito. I think, oh God, let's face it, once he became El Matador, the interest kind of fell off at that point. And people weren't cheering him because he was El Matador. People remembered him as Tito Santana still. And mm. luckily, he got to keep that name. Um, and the thing is, again, though, that's the thing with a lot of these gimmicks, that beyond the entrance they didn't keep the gimmick in the ring during the match. Which... Yeah, he's not all laying people with the fucking red yeah. thing and all that, because that would be terrible. And I think I've, just, I've remembered the joke now, actually. Oh, when, now that I remember it. I think it is actually Vince will have fed him that because it has a knock at the Democrats in it. Because um, doesn't he say that he, he looks like a driver for Zoe Baird? And right. Zoe Baird, was, she was part of Clinton's lot, but she uh, pulled out of a nomination because it was found that you'd hired undocumented immigrants. That was it. Oh, no. <laughs> so like, uh, 
totally as I started remembering it I was like that is something that Vince would have fucking told you to say yeah I mean aside from that like we're talking about it as a dream match and all the way through you've got Rob Bartlett calling Flair an 80 year old woman and like referencing lifeline systems doesn't he even say the old quote you know help I've fallen and I can't get up yeah I've, yeah Heenan used to say that as well but at least he was funny and it was inside context and it wasn't during a fucking TV main event it was yeah, during exactly. like an undercard, like an undercard match, not something that you're trying to build your hottest match in ages off. Um, oh, so yeah, so um, again, it's what you would want. Like Tito against Flair, Tito against Flair can't have a bad match. You know, it's always going to work. But I think that again, the New York crowd, are, like especially if it's casual fans, are pretty discerning with their tastes. I think, and maybe they want more gimmicks. Um, Maybe he's the one just yeah more daft. Don't the one gimmick matches rather than gimmicks yeah. like coming out as a matador. Not. Yeah. <laughs> That's the thing. Like Tito in New York would should always get a good reaction, but again by the time of El Matador, I mean Flair was over. Uh, I think people, I mean people cheered Flair like in yeah in the Manhattan Center because how do you not like Ric Flair? And again, yeah, it's that New York crowd as well. But um. <clears throat> So, uh, yeah, uh, Perfect uh, comes out and they're already building up. Because that's the thing, like, they're always, like, at each other's throats, Perfect and Flair. And um, it, Flair beats Santana, doesn't he? Like, it's a clean win. Well, there's a load of shenanigans as well, though, aren't there? Yeah. I'm sure I remember seeing Pat Patterson come out in a cardigan that proves not every gay man does have style. Well, I like to think I've proven that, to be fair. <laughs> yeah, you have. <laughs> me, me and Pat would have got along just fine. You know what I mean? Um, um, yeah. <laughs> and this is when Slaughter was kind of like, he wasn't a commissioner, but he was like the head of the referees, uh, which was a very forgotten about little way to keep Slaughter on telly. Um, he didn't really have any power whatsoever. He was just there to break up fights sort of thing. Slaughter um, the cooler. <laughs> um, so... The building, I mean, the building up the the perfect flare match and flares just flares just. Does, like not, does, does he win it? And because I'm I'm sure perfect comes in and fucks the match up, and I can't remember if it gets thrown out or. Oh god, that's like, really does, bad, does, isn't it? <laughs> does, does, does perfect? It would just it would be weird if perfect came in and interfered and then Rick won anyway and did a really angry promo being like, "Don't you dare come in and let me win." That's true. All I know is Tito did not win this match. He did not beat Rick Flair. <laughs> I have a feeling it doesn't even end. It just rambles around like a Rob Bartlett promo. <laughs> this is what happens when we watch the show like weeks before we're recording. <laughs> you know, doesn't say a lot for the memorability of it, though, does it? No, that's it's true. Forgotten Raw, and we fucking forgot it already. <laughs> so, the um, I mean, this is a good way to cut to a break. You cut to it during a brawl. And yeah, uh, du- during Go the out break- hot. Yeah, absolutely. So they come back and uh, Flair's just at his best. I mean, when when Perfect was winding him up for those couple of months, like mental, angry Flair, who's like offended that Perfect dare say that like Flair was walking in his shadow and stuff like that. Like Flair's about, like he's perfect 97, 98, Night Raw Flair. I was just going to say that. This is where I wish more than anything that um, Gene's involved. Because I think... Instead of like Vince is such a like body snatcher of a person that there's just no human reactions when he's talking to him, yeah. and you just don't get into it. Whereas like we've seen, you know, like if you think of Flair feuding with Bischoff, mm-hmm. I think Gene as the stick man could have brought that out of Flair in this feud. 
maybe Gene just didn't want to travel, I guess. I don't know. Mm, uh, yeah, true. Like, you know, he was doing he was doing the pay-per-views at this point, but um yeah, I've, I've, I think it's a shame if they didn't even think of having Gene involved on these roles, then that's that's a major mistake, uh, in my opinion. Aye, I think um, so too. So, uh, Flair actually, I just thought that. Sorry, sorry, yeah. you were talking. No, 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 when no, you're no. saying about everybody loving Flair at this part, I'm yeah. sure, like in the background in the crowd, you can see fuck loads of four horsemen gestures. <laughs> yeah, that sounds right. Um, well, if you watch WrestleMania 8, um, in Indianapolis, which I mean, I, it's you know, Midwest, isn't it? It's hardly horseman country, but there's a huge four horsemen sign in that crowd. Um, which I'm nice. I'm, yeah. I think people, <laughs> yeah. The WWF would have, let's face it, not known what to do properly with the horsemen. I don't think, I mean, they had the free. No, I'm, I'm glad like they never had them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They didn't know what to do with the road warriors. So I wouldn't have trusted them with anyone else. Like, <laughs> like, imagine if they came out with a fucking like camouflage dummy or some, the camouflage, like what's it called? Oh, Rocco. When, when, no, I don't mean what's the dummy called. Oh, right, okay. I didn't mean as little. When, ventriloquist dummy. That's ventriloquist. Cam, camouflage dummy. What the hell would be the point of that? <laughs> <laughs> well, if you're on a really tight budget as a ventriloquist, just have no dummy there and just be like, yeah, he's in such good camouflage. Like, you can't see him. Like, but, <laughs> just um, like my mouth. <laughs> um, so what I find interesting about this is Flair's so wound up that he's the one that's thrown the challenge out to perfect. Um like perfect driven them to this where mm-hmm. you know the WWF is not big enough for the both of us and uh, loser leaves and all and god a loser leaves match it was only the second one in WWF I mean they were they were constant in the territories because wrestlers would move about and this is Hi, I love them you know and this is the first loser leaves where the loser actually legitimately left because Warrior Savage as perfect as it is you know it was just so Savage could take some time off um, they do that all the time, like right up to modern day. You know, it's like, and I'll retire or I'll be fired. It's like, you fucking won't. You'll be back next week. It's pointless. <laughs> well, maybe, I, you know, people didn't think that Flair was actually going to leave as a result. Oh, but, but that's the thing. People maybe legitimately thought that we don't know who's going to win. Like, you know, Perfect could have left or Flair could have left or, you know, um, I don't think, it, unless you're a true smart fan back then. I don't think you would have known it was a given that someone was going to leave. Because if someone's going to retire now, you kind of know that they're going to lose the career match if it is legit. Um, and I'm not big on them hugely when you definitely know who's going to lose. Aye. You know, aye, you know, you know someone's like, it'll be like 48 year old. Well, like Flair and Michaels or whatever, like when Flair retired again. Um, he, you knew that he wasn't going to be. <laughs> he even retired at TNA like a fucking year later, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, he doesn't like talking about that. Um, <laughs> I'm not surprised. I don't either. <laughs> he doesn't count that. Well, he's because he faced um, he faced Hogan on a TNA show, didn't he? Uh, like not on a pay per view, like on a um, on a Impact. Um, he probably did. They were really fucking bad then. It was like some flair match. I think some someone asked him, "Were you disappointed it wasn't on pay per view?" And he's like, "Look, if it was on pay per view, no comp would have watched it." Like, so yeah, perfect. And he's such a good antagonist because he's so cocky and arrogant and everything. Even as a face, like he doesn't really change his character as a face, Mister Perfect. Um, no. And he knows how to wind Flair up. And I think this could have been a perfect storyline for 
a year. You know what I mean? Just perfect finding mm-hmm. ways to wind them up. Like, like he did with uh, Triple H a couple of years later where he kept walking off with Triple H's women and stuff like that. And that's the thing. Flair, as great as he was in WWF, he wasn't horseman Flair coming out with the women Definitely and the not. fur coats and stuff like that. And they really should have emphasised no, that more. because They Flair gelded was... him. They really gelded him when he was there. He is not a horseman at all because, as you say, there's no talk of, like, Lear Jets. He doesn't have all the jewellery. You don't see him coming out with the suits and the glasses and all. It's like... It's nice to see Flair there, but it's like, it doesn't really feel like Flair. No, and I mean, he's coming in saying he's the real world champion, which is a great angle to have. But again, anyone who in WWE who said, oh, we didn't think Flair or Hogan would work at Mania, fuck off. Like, you know, ah, just, <laughs> just because it didn't work on a garden show. I don't know how it couldn't work on a garden show, but that was the thing that I'd heard. So they decided. Didn't it sell to- shitloads on the house tours, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they didn't have loads of matches, but they were all. Like either sellout or near sellouts, and we would have gone to that if it was anywhere near us. Oh, you know what I mean? Yeah. And let's face it, Hogan, if Hogan faced Flair now, they could sell out a reasonable sized venue. You know what I mean? And, <laughs> oh, then, yeah, no. and at least have wonder who's going to die first. <laughs> Loser leaves this mortal coil. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get us wrong; it wouldn't exactly be even Hogan or Flair in Australia fifteen years ago, or wherever it was. But um, you know, no. I think they could still. Still pack a house and just strut around the ring and put each other in the eyes and stuff like that. I would I'd be happy if watching that personally. <laughs> but again, though, that maybe shows like my you know um level of tolerance for what makes a good wrestling match these days. But um <sighs> anyway, anyway, uh you so, get yeah. the true main event after this though. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> it's Rob Bartlett's vehicle versus car crusher Khrushchev. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't park your car where Repo Man can find it. You know what I mean? Don't park your car outside the front of the Manhattan Center. It would have got fucking towed anyway. Yeah, it's, I don't know where these wrestlers... And But the other thing is, you've you've heard the story about when Perfect and Michaels fought outside the Manhattan Center on like 40 Second Street or wherever it was. How would Fink's Fink's car, isn't it? car? <laughs> like, yeah. It, there's, I've been to the Manhattan Center. There's nowhere to fucking park. Yeah, exactly. I haven't been, but like I've seen it on telly, and I'm thinking, ah, oh, you couldn't fucking park that out there. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was a fun way to end it, I guess. But um, I don't think it... Rob wasn't in the car. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think fans were thirsty for Macho Repo over the hat. Um, you know, but I've, you know, especially since they've just said that they're going to have perfect play in the career-ending match. But uh, technically, this is like a Raw Super Show, though, because there's two angles heading into this. So, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm gonna I'm gonna put that positive spin on it. And um, that was the that was the second episode of Monday Night Raw. Do you have any thoughts? Or it's enjoyable again. Like it it is forgettable. It's quite throwaway, but it's not a bad use of your time, if that makes sense. Like there's. Raw becomes a bad use of your time, I think, later <laughs> on, like especially in like '95 and '96 and that, because it's just it just drags. Whereas at this point, I still think it moves along at a good pace and it's entertaining, even if it's not like life-changingly classic, if you know what I mean. Bear in mind, I mean, it's this beautiful period where you've got Flair, like, and it just Flair makes everything better. Like back then, yes, he does. <laughs> and um, you know, and there's also the. What they you you could argue they were lacking at that point, 
you know, was the star power that they created in terms of like your warriors, etc., uh, bulldogs, and even LOD. You know what I mean? I know they didn't create them, but like they were gone by that point. And because if you look at like Royal Rumble '92 compared to '93, the criticism of '93 is they just didn't have the names that '92 had. Um, oh, bollocks! Like they got the Steiners. You no, know, I mean in the Rumble match. Um, oh right, that's in '93. I was know, Steiners, Luger, Hogan. Savage. Oh, no, I, I like, I they've got such names. <laughs> but when you and don't get me wrong, I love '93, and I'm not like at all slagging it off. But like when you think th- there weren't as many conceivable winners of the '93 Rumble as there was in '92, when you had Flair, Hogan, Sid, even DBRC, you know what I mean, or like Bulldog or Tornado or whoever. Like it, it was just a stacked thing from head to toe. Whereas '93, you had to put in Carlos Cologne. Uh, and you had Max Moon, and you had, you know, Tenru was in it. Like, Tenru's not going to mm-hmm. win the Royal Rumble. Um, so, and, and don't get me wrong, I love the 93 Rumble, and I think it gets them fairly slagged off, and we're going to definitely get into that. But, Does uh, this Rumble get slagged off? For two reasons. One, because it's not as good as 92, and two, because of the Savage Yoko bit at the end. I mean, that and, is oh, no, terrible, no, no. but it doesn't ruin a whole fucking show. And three, because of the Jan Gonzalez bit as well. Which I, which I will <laughs> vehemently defend until the end of time. Um, Sorry, I'll just mute my headphones. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, and and uh, that's the thing with a podcast as well. It's not live, so you could just skip over the next five minutes of me talking about John Gonzalez. But, um, I'll, give you a, I'll give you like a skip warning <laughs> when we get to that part, so you can just go, <laughs> nope, and just get ahead. <laughs> but but <clears throat> the thing is, again, something that this Raw shows is... Superstars was needed as well because Raw barely covers really a lot of the stuff that's going to happen at the Rumble. Um, it doesn't have time. No, it doesn't have time. Um, so you did need superstars and challenge and stuff like that. You needed free solid hours of, um, you know, and to have squash matches where you could talk over it and stuff like that to sell the event and more interviews for the undercard and stuff like that. So, you know, um, Raw Raw was very entertaining, but like you see, it's hard to cram all that in, and nor should they have because they still give you incentives to watch things like Superstars and uh, Challenge and even All American, which had its own exclusive matches, and uh, you know, and they did probably one of the better jobs of building up the Rumble because they would be or any event because they would be at the arena or in the town talking about like mm-hmm. the town's history and stuff like that. And Gene and Bobby are just like you know, just give them. 40 minutes just to ramble on and they'll they'll do a good job you know but um yeah that was the second episode of monday night raw um i think the restraint in the way that they do raw back then actually is worthwhile if you compare it to i I can't comment as well on his time doing raw but if i compare that to like russo nitros if you try and cram everything in and everyone's story for every angle a you get absolutely knackered by the end of the show because you cannot bring that many things happening at the same time Mm. and b You've got no incentive to go and watch Thunder or Saturday Night because like fucking hell, like I've just seen thirty-seven angles. Am I really <laughs> gonna watch more this this uh, week? Like, what can there possibly be left? Yeah, and and not just that as well. It's like all the big names have been on Night Raw at that point. Um, yeah, if you've it, seen them all this week, it's like you're gonna watch some of them again on Thunder on Thursday. Probably not. And it is enjoyable to see wrestlers in different settings as well, with different announced teams calling them, um, mm-hmm. and they'll put on different types of matches against different... Because if you notice, like, Razor was great at this. If you faced a jobber, he would have a mood, move set that he wouldn't even use against 
more established names, and it just you know it varied things up a little bit. But um, Dominal Stretch and some of those other things he does, he's I mean, mm-hmm. just being a dick, like paintbrush in the head and that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So uh, yeah, the uh, Woody Allen versus Mia Farrow cage match didn't happen. Um, so I'm shocked. <laughs> the first uh, case of bait and switch. Um, did Sinead O'Connor do a run in the next? Week, did Bobby? <laughs> did Bobby Heenan face the pole? The pole face the pole. I mean, we can introduce a pole. <laughs> 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 a relic on a pole match between a Sinead O'Connor on a pole match between Bobby Heenan and um, <laughs> and the Pope, of course, well, refereed to, by Rob Bartlett. I was trying to think of Polish wrestlers as well, but uh, well, Ivan Putski, but Putski, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sinead O'Connor sat on Ivan Putski's head, um, and you've got to reach. I, I don't know. I'm just making sure of that. And uh, before we completely reach for his hammer, <laughs> <laughs> before we completely fall off a cliff, and. Uh, yeah, we've hit a peak there, so I think we should leave it at that point. But um, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I want to thank everyone for tuning in to this episode of Turn Chuckle. I hope everyone enjoyed it. What do we have coming up next, Mr. Tempest? The Royal Rumble itself? Yes, I'm so excited. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, I've barely watched it. I'm going to have to uh, really push <laughs> up on this. Um, <laughs> Apologies, everyone, that it's a seven and a half hour podcast next week. You just got my apology in advance. I will be restrained. You can lead this one. Um, <laughs> it's yeah. going to be a three part epic for February. <laughs> and that's the first match. And then, you know, we'll, yeah. no, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. I'm a, I'm a pro. I know what I'm doing. I know how to not get too self indulgent, even though you're letting us watch Royal Rumble that you're free to talk about. <laughs> so I'll fucking I, test you. Couldn't even say. <laughs> <laughs> Try and give us the order of the rumble entrance. See if I can get that. Um, I have a feeling I might be able to do that. Um, you sad bastard. <laughs> Let's wait and see. Fuck off. <laughs> Fuck off. As, and I swear, and you will see me on camera, I will not be looking at any notes whatsoever. I'll see if I can oh, get Oh, I believe thing. you. <laughs> no, there'll I be believe a, you. There'll be a blind spot in there somewhere. But, like, yeah, there's uh, lots of fun facts about Rumble 93, if you can believe it. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm very excited to talk about it. So, yes, also tune into the official Cello Toys podcast. Uh, this coming Monday is part two of the Dwayne Gill interview. We're talking about his Gilberg run. Uh, lots of stories that, you know, he's he's rarely talked about. And, um, yeah, loads of fun. What a dude. And he's got a figure coming out. And there'll be all sorts of news about Cello Toys. And uh, it's an exciting thing to be a part of, along with this uh, British wrestling icons line as well, uh, of which Adrian Street has been announced. And um, I would like to think that Cella have shown that nothing is impossible with regards to getting names. And it's run by wrestling fans, knowledgeable wrestling fans, and they know what makes a good line. Uh, so when you think of British wrestling icons line, look at World of Sport, look at the top names. And, you know... I would, you know, just make some assumptions, to be honest, but, like, nothing can be said yet. Um, and I don't know either at this point. So, you know, um, I'm like Heenan at uh, Bash at the Peach. Like, I know nothing. <laughs> I just I accidentally give away a ton of fucking information and then get in trouble for it. But um, uh, So, yeah, look, I want to thank you. Where can people find you? And, uh, you know, you, you're not doing Rogue Country anymore, are you? So um, what, what projects do you have coming up? Um. At the moment, I'm working on a single for my country music, which is quite a traditional kind of honky-tonk style one. Quite Mm -hmm. excited to get done, called The Door. And I'm also working on an album called Unfinished Business, 
with a guitarist I worked with in a rock band. Ooh, you got to be knocking on 12, maybe, maybe more like 15 years ago. But we've been reinterpreting the songs so there are there's like orchestration and we've been open the melodies and generally just it, it's probably just some self-indulgent wank but we're making an album no, no. out of our old stuff and giving it like some of the songs a bit of soul and some of them a bit of jazz and some of them like dramatic orchestra and that it's been a fun project mm-hmm. and a lot of um heart and genuine love behind what you do as well so if you i mean if you're a country fan you could do much worse than to check out tempest music because um he believes in what he's doing as well and has standards unlike some it could, it could be said some uh, country music out there uh and again i'm not enough of an expert but i've heard you get really wound up <laughs> so we'll get into that when we start looking at some uh, country gimmicks uh, <laughs> uh which would be uh uh, you know be very interesting i'm sure so yeah do check out uh, the archives on bbg wrestling uh we've interviewed everyone from uh brian pillman jr to todd pettengill to ahmed johnson kevin sullivan um oh god austin idol that was a mind-blown one so yeah do uh do he is those. wild <laughs> he is wild and uh, i would love to do a party he's as every bit as charismatic as you like you want him to be your dad at the end of it but you also want to get <laughs> You want him to. You want to get pissed with your dad, basically, and you want him to look like Austin Idol. He's he's uh, he's wonderful. He went into real estate, you know. Imagine. Can you, can you imagine buying a house off Austin Idol? It's like I, I wanted a bit more garden. I'm the universal heartthrob. It'll do. I'll take it. If he didn't use his ways, like I'm not saying he shagged everyone who bought a house from him but like if he didn't like charm the ladies i'd be very shocked um you know you gotta be have sales must have (laughs) he did very well in real estate by the sounds of it so uh yeah and you can find him on nwa now managing like what a time to be alive um oh he's still great (laughs) he's still every bit you'd hope he looks exactly the same for a start um (laughs) he does doesn't he um what a guy so yeah that interview's out there and uh so much more as well so yeah i want to thank you all for tuning in to this episode of tone chuckle the second episode of monday night raw and we will see you all next time peace